Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the APW. On this episode we chat to Gordon Mokes, X-Block Party and Young Legionnaire Head Honcho. We go deep on all things recording, studios, producers, rig and writing from his 18 year career in music. Hello and welcome to the uh, APW. I'm here with Gordon from Young Legionnaire and a uh, former Block Party member as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right, okay. Um, I've obviously had you in the studio um, over the years. Yeah. And I've kind of seen the tweaks of your setup. Right. Could, you, <laughs> could you give us a little rundown of what, how you started? Mm. What was like your main first kind of tonal goal right. when you first started out? Yeah. And then tell us how it kind of evolved and uh, what other things pushed you in sure. that direction? Um, I think my memories of when I started is that I was, I, I had absolutely no sort of knowledge or understanding of, of tone or anything. Mm. I just, you know, for me, I, you just turn up, you've got a bass and you play it to the point where I'd even, I'd learned to play with just my fingertips. I never use a plectrum. I sort of played up the neck. I didn't have any good technique or anything. Mm. And I think just, you know, you, over the years you go into studios, you try different things with producers and then you go out and you tour and you find out what works on stage. And yeah, I just went from a point of the beginning playing with my fingers in, into a tuner through the amp that we've been given free at mm-hmm. the point we were signed. So having no input in, beyond that to going, oh, I should have some distortion. Oh, let's try more speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think by the time we started Young Legionnaire, which is about t- 2010, I got a lot more of an idea. I wanted a different bass than I'd been using. In was, it, was, it, was it a P bass? Yeah, I had this... I started off when we... At, right at the beginning of Block Party, I had a, a Squire, just a P bass copy. Mm-hmm. And then with the deal, I was able to buy a Mexican P bass, which was fairly new, which was actually the guitar that I've ended up with the whole time in that band. And yeah, then then um, switched over to the Grabber for Young Legionnaire because I just thought it's a different tone. It looks different. It was, a, mm. it was all a bit more rock, the whole thing. And that was the idea of that band. This, this is the one that has the moving pickups. Yeah, it? it's, it's a Grabber because you can move the pickup from the neck and down yeah. so you can I mean you know I always keep it in the neck position so mm. it's kind of a bit wasted on me but yeah it's it's a mobile pickup yeah nice cool um, what's writing like with Young Legionnaire how does it all start off and you know what has been mm. the difference between from block party mm. to this because I'm yeah. assuming it, it, there are different drivers and where they where yeah yeah I think for me in Block Party, I was always reacting to ideas that were coming in, and that, there's something very freeing about that as a bass player, that you just hear something and then you respond naturally in the moment. Mm. Um, for Young Legionnaire, we all came in with riffs and ideas. Is um, that is that a rehearsal room set up for that, or was it was it for both, or is uh, it sending ideas out, coming back? It's more... In Young Legionnaire, it very much relies on being in the room to to arrange everything. Mm. Um, you know, I live in Austin and the other guys have been in Berlin and London, so we don't get together that much. So it's always critical that we have that time where we can just organically work through things. But it will start with ideas that we all have on our phones or sort of demoed with okay. a basic drum pattern. And, and, you know, so we've got a bit of a head start and we might go in and 
work on three or four things mm. in a day and and things actually come together super quickly with the young legionnaire we were never precious about things we just went if it sounds good that's good we'll just play that there that's good let's just do that for eight bang you know very yeah. quick yeah that's brilliant and block party was that just all in a rehearsal room kind of jamming it out was it i mean it, it, in the beginning it was you know i mean kelly's had always led the ideas mm-hmm. so he would come in with riffs and we would just spark off those and then we'd pretty much just sort of record jams of us working on things and then the next day he'd come in having sort of listened through things and decided oh we should get rid of this and we should do something here so we, it took a little longer to finish things just to hone things get things a bit more sculptured yeah um obviously been i've been looking through the studios you've been in over the years right you've you've had quite a varied uh yeah. studio experience what's kind of like being your favorite actual studio to right. go into as, as vibe because i always think there's an element of some can be mm. very t- a bit too clean some can be you know amazing mm. overwhelming you know it's yeah you're right i've done the whole gamut from what was the copenhagen one that was um it's called something like uh i forget now it's gone from i don't know if it's even still there paul atworth had found this place online and it was owned by the guys from Junior Senior who just had Oh, a, yes, yeah, yeah, I did those guys. Yeah, yeah so yeah. they just had a hit, like, the year before. Don't stop the beat, yeah. Right, yeah. that. And I think they put the money into this studio in Copenhagen. And it was, like, red, is that right? With, it like, was, massive balls on the yeah, wall? Yeah, it was all designed on, a, like, a 60s retro thing. Mm. And I think a lot of the Neve, mics, Neve console? I can't remember that kind of detail. Okay. okay. But, um... Yeah, there was a lot of sort of vintage mics and vintage gear. Yeah. And there was a whole area of, of just like a record library that you could go in and just pick things off the shelf. But the the thing with that was the guy who owned it wasn't there. And there was supposed to be an engineer who turned up for like three or four days and then just sort of lost interest. So it was super... And then, and then it, half of these mics didn't work. Okay. And I remember the first week... Paul and pulling his hair out. He, he really was with his um, engineer at the time, Elliot. Um, yeah, were just like they were tearing the house. They they thought they weren't going to be able to do the bass mm. um, because I don't, I don't know. This mics went up to it, and they were just going. I think we made a huge mistake. But I mean, so going know, to Ireland after that must have been like okay, wow. You know, working with Jack Life Lee on yeah on that stuff. It was an embarrassment of riches in a way. Okay, we had a lot more time and a lot more, you know, toys to play with. And I mean, yeah, not all of the record was totally finished when we went in. So that made a difference. Obviously, you know, that's the old story. Your first record is always written. Mm. You've got 15 years to write it and then a year to write the second <laughs> yeah and it was a bit like that but um yeah i mean uh, i think it was called stereo the one in copenhagen stereo sound or something like that mm. and it was just a bit ramshackle and and i think it actually in the end sort of lent itself to that kind of accidents and happenstance that mm. that that are the the amazing moments in the studio yeah. the more polished things are the less fun or the less impact they can have sometimes yeah so yeah that was i mean again at the beginning i had no idea we had so little i mean the first time when we went when we made banquet with paul Etworth, it was literally the first time i've been in the studio mm. and he was getting us to you know he was getting me to like drop in for 
notes on different bars. I'm like, why would you do that? That's, you know, weird stuff that was, you know, now having made records for years yeah. and years, it's like, well, it's totally valid, different ways of doing it. But we were totally resistant. We all thought this was nonsense. Mm. This, this so have you found, after after the years of obviously tracking mm. and doing bits and pieces, what's your favourite way of recording now? Um, I, yeah, good question. I mean, I like to be to have the space for accidents. I think that's really important. Um, I mean, the young Legionnaire stuff has always been a bit kind of impromptu, and mm. you know, I've got four days to do stuff, so it could never be very precious. Uh, but it, it it can free you up to commit to things and and just try stuff, and and often the accidents are. Uh, the things you end up going with that mm. go on the record. So actually, I think there's really is a case for having shorter time mm. than is ideal and less gear than is ideal and just kind of like working in the uh, boundaries mm. in that sense, yeah. If you were ever... Do you fancy dipping your toe in the producing world at all? Kind of developing yeah. that kind of thing? Yeah, um, my only problem is patience. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably kind of what I'm talking about. I don't, you know, doing takes over and over is yeah. not for me. But um, yeah, I've started kind of doing some bits and pieces in Austin, not for anyone else, just for myself, really. Yeah. And I think that's an, another thing I've learned is that you you can sort of botch things. You know, you can have lots of limitations and mm. real gear limitations. And, you know, I've pretty much just got a, an input box and a computer and a guitar. But I really like working that way, just really as simple as, as possible. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in sound. I've always been kind of into, like, sound, so I've always enjoyed recording. So if you were going to go down that route, mm. and obviously you've worked with Paul Wetworth, Jan Lee, was it Alex Newport, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously Tom Bellamy now. Yeah. Um, is there any little bits of each of them that you'd kind of go, do you know what, I like that and I like that? Which bits would you take from, from their producing mm. styles, do you reckon? I liked... Um, Alex was very keen on live, things sounding as live as possible mm. and, and a lot of pre-production rehearsing. And it's sort of tedious, but it really helps. I mean, I think the problem is now it's really hard to be able to afford to do that with a band mm. to say, you know, two weeks of just rehearsing and running through stuff. Um, yeah, I, I really liked Alex's way of working. He was quick. He didn't want to, you know, I've worked with producers where they'll just go off and they'll be like tinkering on his keyboard for for hours trying to get sounds and and that that's a real turn off, I think, for a mu musician. It's necessary at, at various points, mm. but sitting people down who are ready to work and then you know forcing them to wait is is not yeah I don't so I'm more into like doing a bit of preparation and then just flying at things trying things out yeah I'm a, I'm a great believer in the kind of live record element mm. of yeah it's coming in and doing the job I think is is pretty mm. key with that stuff mm. um so obviously this is the the back end run of young legionnaire stuff currently right yeah yeah and uh are you kind of is, is this stuff being written now or what, what's the deal well this is yeah this is kind of a bit of a 
end of a chapter in a way, yeah, at the end of this second record. Because it, t- it took f- like four years to get this record together. So you, you, Tom Bellamy recorded it and then it was... So we did it through, it was a Pledge Music yeah. sort of project. And I'd been living in Austin for... Well, I left pretty much right when we were starting to write. Mm. So we had about three songs. And I was coming over to write for a few days, every six months or something. Yeah. So it was a real labour of love, like getting this record together. And then, of course, the pledge thing is a whole journey where you sort of invite people into it. And that took another six months. Um, and then, uh, yeah, finding a label for it, it came out through Superstar Destroyer. Mm-hmm. It's a little um, sort of math label from Manchester. Um and yeah so it was all the way along it was like let's get over the next hurdle just sort of flop over it kind of thing and no no real big plans next um i'm about to go actually to back to university and do some design sort of study for a bit amazing yeah um and i have this thing that i've been doing in austin which is called drug life which is mm-hmm. very slow but there's there is some music there so uh, I think we're kind of at a stage where we just wait and see. I mean, that's where we were after the last record. So I think that's a sort of, uh, uh, as someone who's had you in before, mm. I've always felt that's always been the vibe. It's kind of you jump in when you creatively feel like it's yeah. time to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think. You're... I mean, there's always the great thing about Young Legionnaire is, you know, we have a great rapport um, as friends, and musically, it's it's very easy to get in a room, and because you got. Dean Pearson and Paul Mallon yeah. on guitar. Dean the Machine as well. Dean the Machine. <laughs> Just some very intuitive playing yeah. all round. Again, like I said before, not precious about things. Um, you know, Paul's got just a great melodic sensibility, mm. vocally and on the guitar, and that can go in two different directions, which is, yeah. I love just yeah. giving him stuff because he'll just suddenly create two ideas sort of simultaneously, which is great. Um, yeah, it'll just it'll always chug along somewhere. It mm. might just be a few years before anything sort of materialises, but you know that's how it is. And I suppose all the, uh, this next question is coming from I think a lot of kids that are doing bedroom stuff. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you running in your little mixed demo stuff at home? I have the most basic, almost ridiculously basic setup, which is um, my laptop with Ableton. Um, I don't even use. Pro Tools, I'm quite happy with Ableton, which mm-hmm. I, I find is just... I mean, it, when I started trying to learn, it was just very quick to pick it up, I felt. Yeah. And this Line 6 thing, which is called a Tone Port, I think. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it has one mic input and one guitar, like, instrument in, insert yeah. input. And then there's a few others on the back. <laughs> but it's really, like, you can record two up to th- three at once. Mm. And that's all I need. I mean, usually I'm just demoing with it, but I've got to a point where I've actually sort of put amps in and tried to record. And I've got okay-ish results. So it's so, basically, I don't know that I would recommend it as a as a setup, but it's is the very other half, quick. Is the other half patient with you, with this stuff, um, <laughs> making noise in the house? Well, luckily in Austin, the great thing about Austin is that um, we have a bit more space and I've got this little shared outside in the back. It would be harder to do in London. But Hopefully yeah, got with little... some AC. Yes. 
absolutely <laughs> vital in, in Texas, yes. Um, little music shed that I can make noise in, which is great. Amazing. Gordon, thank you ever so much for coming. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, man. Thank you.